I'm Bryn. I'm Chris. And I'm Ellis. And this is PH Strong. We can never get that in sync. It's because we're drunk, y'all. No, I never will. But we are here. We have never been sober. And we are queer. And, and we... we're having a lot of beer. <laughs> yes, we are. So much beer. Uh, PH Drunk is our fortnightly-ish podcast where we drink to excess and discuss classic works of literature. Uh, we've been gone for a minute, but bitches believe we are back. We are so back. Bryn, Bryn, it's your turn. Bryn, Bryn, come back. We said we were back, Bryn. I'm here. We said we were I'm back here. and Bryn promptly did Bryn is like, I'm gone. sorry. I'm like, best believe we're back. And she's like, nope, not at all. I was looking at notes and I was like, is this the time? Is this the time? Now is the time. The time is now. I missed it. I missed it. I'm sorry. I missed my time. Are you ready? Okay. In today's episode, we're discussing Mary Barton by Elizabeth Cleghorn Gaskell. And this is Chris's selection. So she's going to give us the background before we really um, dig in. I we accidentally wrote meat and potatoes in the show notes, but that feels really inappropriate for Gaskell. I don't know why. It's because the people um, in this novel. Nobody had. Yeah, no nobody one had, had no meat. No nobody potato. had meat and potatoes. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Chris tell you about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Mary Barton is Elizabeth Gaskell's first novel, and it was published in 1848. And this novel focuses on the life of the poor and working class in Manchester, where Gaskell actually lived. If you don't know, Manchester was a major center of British manufacturing in the 19th century. Mary Barton caused quite a stir for its stinging critique of class disparity and the relationships between factory workers and the capitalist pigs who oppress them. Can you tell whose side I'm on? Is this the capitalist pigs? No. I, I literally will just spell. I'm going to read Das Kapital for the next two hours, y'all. <laughs> but gonna sing buckle up, bitches. <laughs> Solidarity forever. Ellis, you're going to have to tell us what we're drinking to fuel the revolution. Um, obviously, everybody deserves to feel as good as we feel right this second. They sure do. And what we are drinking is a Millman's Mercy. Uh, For this drink, you're going to take a pint glass, put one shot of dark rum, um, and then fill it. Like one shot is, right? To your heart's content. Don't let the capitalist pigs tell you how much a shot is. A shot is whatever your heart (laughs) tells you. You will feel when it's right. And then you fill the glass with a bottle of Newcastle brown ale and add a bit of lime juice for taste. You can use fresh lime or if you're broke like me and only have lime juice, then you use that. You do what you got to do, but it's, it's delicious. 89 it, cents. Chris here. Chris here telling you. Me too. I thought I had the lime and it turns out that it was a lemon and I put the lemon in, in it instead and it is also delicious. It's fine. It's You do what you do. I had to have my rum delivered because I didn't want to put on a bra. So. I had my rum delivered too, bitch. <laughs> I bought the. I did not have it delivered, but I did buy the double size handle. 
So I feel like you're the real this like, is gonna I'm be doing okay. For like two weeks right now. <laughs> That's why I said it's one-ish shots because one-ish. I really feel it's kind of like when you're cooking with garlic, like you feel it in your heart. Don't let anybody do. tell you, you just do how it. much you need. I will say maybe use a bigger glass because you, you probably should put the whole Newcastle in it, but it's fine. You Wait, do you're, what you you're not do. putting. You can't fill your glass with Newcastle. I can't. Well, I'm saying you might have Barely, to use a bigger glass if you use too much rum because oh. then you won't have room for the whole Newcastle. But too much fine. rum does not exist. No, there is no rum. the limit no. does not exist. <laughs> I feel like Bryn is going to be real merciful this week. I love it. I merciful. Love it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> no. Melvin's Melvin's mercy. It's delightful. It makes us think of the north of England and also rum. Hi. <laughs> As we said in the last episode, pull up a drink and find a chair, bitches. It's time to get rolling. Uh, one small note: we did find some super fancy headphones that cost all of like thirty-eight dollars. So we're feeling really fancy right now. We really hope that the audio is better. You can tell us on our Twitter feed or Instagram or, I don't know, tell us how shitty we are, too. That's fine. Um, don't or do you that. can That's just I mean, But don't tell us how shitty we are. Because, <laughs> like, in general. The headphones. The headphones. Shitty. I'm sorry. You're right. This disassociation. <laughs> I'm a motherfucking headphones. delight. So I don't know who you're calling shitty, bitch. <laughs> okay. Chris here, as the resident audio engineer, I would just like to say that if we sh- sound shitty to you... <laughs> It's because you're not drunk enough and you need to drink harder. <laughs> there you go. There you Sometimes go. Time, I don't, when Chris was gone and we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, somehow we managed to get our audio overlapped and then reversed. So I don't know how it our happened. Our last show, we were literally I'm never, like, I'm, I'm never leaving you guys alone again. I was like responding to things that Bryn hadn't even said yet on know. the audio. It was a mess. The mind meld had finally happened. <laughs> It was we tried, tried, okay? We tried. One eternity later. <laughs> <laughs> Segment 1A, authority. Spill that tea, bitch. All right. Let me tell you about my girl, Elizabeth Gaskell. She was a Victorian novelist, and she's best known probably for her novel, North and South, which I love, but also... You should definitely watch the uh, BBC adaptation of North and South, which you should watch the BBC adaptation with of North and South with Richard Armitage as Mr. Thornton because oh. it will make you tingly yes. in all the right places. Yes. <laughs> there, there, you will experience nerve endings that you didn't know you had. So, as you can see, in addition to writing North and South, Mary Barton, Elizabeth Gaskell wrote several other banging books and contributed to major periodicals, such as Blackwood's Edinburgh Magazine and Charles Dickens' Household Words. She was also married to a minister and had five kids, and she took her writing very seriously, and she did the W-E-R-K work. But because we're talking about class all this episode, and like, in our life... Uh, we do not want to go without acknowledging that she was able to devote so much of her time to writing because of the unacknowledged labor of people in the service industry who made it possible for her to write instead of doing the back-breaking labor of keeping a household in the 19th century. Preach it. Amen. 
Show me. This is going to be delightful on the other side of this. Hold on. Drink, everybody. Sorry, what? My whistle here? I can't, y'all. Do not make me spit you. Newcastle into my okay. fucking keyboard, or I will never be able to hear you ever okay. again. Okay, all on right. This fucking all right. <laughs> we uh, we acknowledge the we just Hold acknowledge on. the labor of people in the service industry. We sure <laughs> shit did, and thank you so much, Chris, for pointing out to us that you know, rich white ladies had it a lot easier than like you know everyone else. So. Uh, we're gonna move on to segment. Segment. <laughs> Maybe we're not allowed to have any more rum-based cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm hey, good. I'm good. Hey, pull it together, Jay. Pull it together. We're professionals. Pull it together. We're professionals. Should we move on to segment one B, the get lit review? Yes. I think we should, cheerleader I Alice. L- Let's. Do I love it. it. Okay, so. Here is your super quick rundown. The novel opens. Yes. Everyone is poor. It does. And a bunch of people get sick and die. Sure. Obviously. Like, so many fucking people get sick and die, though. Like, I, I can't stress this enough. <laughs> Just to mix things up a little bit. They have babies and die. Or they starve and die how oh. how many deaths are too many deaths in a novel in a victorian the, novel the limit does not exist in a gaskell novel the limit does not exist so much death okay when we're talking about class war the limit does not exist yes <laughs> preach okay so then our girl mary barton is the protagonist and she is like, after everybody in her family except for her dad dies. She's 16, and she's super hot, and she dreams of marrying Rich. Conveniently for her, the son of a mill owner is flirting with her, and she thinks he will marry her because she is 16, and she knows nothing about men, and she is stupid. She also has to consistently (laughs) remind herself that she is not in love with Jem Wilson, her childhood friend who is of her same class. I mean, she has to remind herself of that a lot. A lot. Like, the number of times that she's like, I have to not be nice to him because I have this overwhelming feeling that I need to, like, be sweet to him, but I need to tamp it down because I got to get rich. It's like, girl, maybe you should she listen wanna to get your that gut. coin. She want to get that coin, but also she's definitely, for sure, definitely not in love with Jem Wilson, just so you definitely know. Definitely not in love with him. Definitely not in love with him. My not favorite a, is when it's late at night and she's also not in love with oh, him. Oh, yeah. Definitely I am not. a girl. Let me tell you, when it's late at night, I'm definitely not in love with Jim Wilson, too. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay, so Mary's dad. Wait, wait, jo- wait. Should we call her stupid or naive? Because, like, this, she's naive. She's naive. She's 16. Come on. Like, do you remember should being 16? Okay. I said, should we call her I, stupid or naive? Because we I should like definitely. You're right. You're right. We should call her naive because she's 16 and she doesn't know better and, like, I mean. I mean. She's sweet. We've all. We've all. Ah. 
Wait, do you remember? I wrote this poem when I was 16, and it was so bad that it sometimes... If you didn't write poetry at 16, you don't get a say in this conversation. Sometimes My binder is out in the living room if y'all want to see it. But also, like, Mary is, like, this nice blonde girl, and she, she acts like she has it together, and she has this little job that she goes to all the time. I just... You make it sound like a fucking hobby. <laughs> she has this little job that she's, she goes to that like, only supports her and her father from dying. Yeah. Well, obviously, yes, it supports them from dying because John Barton can't fucking get it together. Um, do wait a second. What a second. Brian? I don't. We we gotta we gotta wait for we gotta wait for the the segment writer dies before we get into this whole John Barton controversy because that's I'm got gonna, feelings. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to agree with that situation. I'm gonna have to have I'm, some I'm feelings ready. and I'm gonna save them. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Okay, okay. So naive Mary Barton. Naive Mary Barton. <laughs> now let's moving on to her dad, John. Yeah. John Barton. Hates rich people, and he's right. And he's yep. active in the union in Manchester for the factory workers. And he's right. And he's oh, right. So great. Yeah, There's yeah, a strike. There's a strike. They are also right. More poor people die because capitalism is evil. Um, the rich kid who won't, who Mary's like having a flirtation with, she like ends it with him, and then he sexually harasses her to a, mm-hmm. a like. I was going to say that. He stalks her. He stalks her. He flat out stalks her. I was going to say to an unbelievable degree, but the thing is, nothing has changed and it's very believable. No, just a rich, just a rich white Chad coming for you. It's the Brads and Chads, man. You got to watch out with the Brads and Chads. But he waits out, he waits outside her little, not little. Gets her. He waits outside her job for her. Follows her home. Follows her home. She has to like stare around the street every time she comes out. I mean, the descriptions of her being terrified. Sends letters, sends letters through her friend and like makes her friend try to convince her. Well, we got, we got thoughts about her too. (laughs) Yeah. And tries to like use her friend to scare quotes friend to convince her to come meet with him. Like he, he fucking harasses her. I mean, he yes, it's 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 like disgusting levels of sexual harassment. Absolutely. Anyway, so he won't leave Mary alone, but because this is a novel and not real life, where in real life he would get acquitted because he's a white guy and we don't want to ruin his future. But it's Amen. a novel, so Amen. he gets murdered. Was it Jem? Was it John? Will anybody in this fucking book get a happy ending? That's actually a question that both Bryn and Ellis texted me on separate occasions. Repeatedly. We had yes. to know if somebody no, I ended knew, up I happy. Knew, I knew – I, I just wanted to know, is this Giskelian? Because as long as it's Giskelian, I know we're getting yes. a happy ending, but like 800 people will die first. But then we'll get a happy ending. Can I tell you a confession? Okay. The first Gaskell novel I ever read was Cranford. That's a good is, one. Yes. Um, the second one I ever read was this one. I thought you read North and South. Didn't you I do did like a not. whole report? Didn't nope. you do a whole report on North and South? No. Nope. That was me. I did the report on North and South. Oh. I knew it was one of my best friends. <laughs> there you go. You have got to read North and South, bitch. 
North and South is the best I mean, Haskell novel of all time. The end. It's on the list. I but really the list love this long. one, though. I, it depends on what, when you read it. I think it depends on when you read it. I think that North – I agree with you that North and South is more sophisticated. I just love North and South so much. Margaret Hale, Hale is, like, angry and righteous and wonderful, and I love her. Mm, you're right about that. That is good. I do, like, angry righteousness or righteous anger, both of them. <laughs> I don't fucking just, care. No, like, all of them. All of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it so hard. And I love that her dad's, like, questioning a fucking – jacked I up hate, religion no, no, no. i mean i do like that he's questioning a jacked up religion but margaret hale's dad is the fucking worst no i agree with you on that but i'm saying like i like that we start calling into question like yes. this this like blind faith in a in a man-made religion i would argue like rather than rather than being like about mm. like the teachings it's more about like a church and being like blindly like having to blindly follow teachings of a church that you don't agree with and he like stands back and says like this isn't what I'm about and like I'm into that like I like I like that she's doing the fucking most in North and South but this one's really good too like I feel like we would never get North and South if we didn't have this agree yes so and like this does I feel. Think, yes. I think it's brave because, like, she did get a lot of pushback, and like, obviously, it got her a lot of fame for doing this. But she did get a lot of pushback, and then she was like, "Let me do some more." <laughs> but that wasn't like, enough for you, bitches. I got, I got like, some more with that. She was literally like, "Hold my beer, bitches." <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and then she got she got us north and south, so we're good. Like, I, I love, love it. it. Um, as you can tell, we are Elizabeth Gaskell fangirls over here, and Brynn needs to get her shit together. You need to read North and South. You need to read Wives and Daughters, which is also very good. Oh, I've, yeah, I've never read that. I've never read an Elizabeth Gaskell book that I didn't love. Like, I just love all, everything she's written. So good. But she is going to kill a lot of people before you get a happy ending. That's my favorite kind of book. Also, there's no sex on screen, which I enjoy lots of longing not a lot there is a lot of longing so there's um nine years of longing girls nine (laughs) years of longing okay should we go to segment two y'all i think so i think i do think it's ellis's turn to do the theme song for always do the theme song (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure i did the theme song last time no last time it was just us I know, the okay. time before that well, when there was Brin a theme song. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's make Brynn do it. Okay. <laughs> so. Should, Fuck you. <laughs> you. You you dawdled. You got to do it. Uh, should oh. we move on? Should we move on to segment two? Theme party. Themes on themes on themes. It's it has an arm motion now. You it's have never, to. Um, it's never going away. Push your arms to the sky like with enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, the ra- arm is that, Isn't that called what raising the, the roof? Called raising the roof? No. Um, theme number one: lovingly termed "no war but class war," class disparity. Let's talk about it, bitch. This is what Gaskell does. This is what she was made to do. This is what this bitch knows. This is how she convinces the world they need to like shape up or ship the fuck out, like. 
Gaskell gets it. And the thing I love about this particular Gaskell novel, and let me remind you that it is her first, is yes. that it's like a stripped down version of just like rich people are fucking assholes. Yeah. And I love I, that. I do I really think- love that sentence that you just said. I'm really enjoying it. The stripped down version of fucking assholes. Rich people are fucking Rich assholes. Rich people are assholes. Yeah. Yes. It's it is still a delightful sentence. It's, Thank you. Okay. Just needed to like, draw attention to it. Brenna's drunk as shit. She, she really is. <laughs> and I am loving it. So yeah, like in North and South and Cranford and Wives and Daughters, there's always this class commentary and a lot of like really great reflection on the class disparity in Victorian British society. And I'm here for it in all of those. In Mary Barton, it's just sort of like distilled into a like a pure little essence of like this is not okay and to be clear Elizabeth Gaskell herself was middle class upper middle class like she wasn't poor um she wasn't hurting and there's a lot in this book that shows that she's sort of trying to imagine a world where rich people and poor people can get along rather than imagine a world where rich people just don't fucking exist anymore like it should be. Um, So there's stuff that, like, I think all of us wish that she had been more radical about, but it's so fucking angry at times, and I feel it in my heart, and I feel it in my soul, and especially right now in the middle of this pandemic – when the capitalist pigs are being fucking swines. Um, there's so much in this book that I think is so relevant to today. Yes, I agree. Um, so because she was a minister's wife, she would have to have gone to places which sort of heart, like makes us go back to like North and South, which comes later, but where she would have seen... She would have visited people and seen what it was like to be poor. So, like, bringing humanity into her novels, like, the humanity of the poor would have been something that she could do because she's actually seen the humanity of the poor. And so she's, like, she does so much to just sort of, like, show rich people, like, you you treat them like they are a product, right? Like to make money off of, but like they have lives and they love people and they have families and like they cry and they laugh and they have friends and like they're actual human beings. And she does such a good job of showing it because she's seen it. But Mm -hmm. I agree with you that like that, like that in and of itself would have been like a, like a sort of like brave, bold, new terrain. But like, nowadays we read that and we're like eat the fucking rich they shouldn't get a happy like no rich person should get even remotely happy ending they should all die the end (laughs) well yes we we read that but not like everybody oh well you should read that if yes if you read anything you should read that but anyway like but like i i think she was doing the most at the time yes and honestly she's doing the most at this time for a lot of people because a lot of people still buy into the idea that, like, anybody can get rich. And they, they just oh. want to be rich. And they don't really care about class disparity so long as 
they can possibly be rich someday. I mean, that's oh, the God. fucking American. Tr- I've got <laughs> I got receipts today. I also have a little bit of historical background for y'all, just like a little little smidge. Uh, so Elizabeth Gaskell is writing during the like heyday, early days, birth of Marxism, socialism, all of that, like literally Karl Marx and uh, Friedrich Engels were like alive contemporaries of hers. And people are like very into these ideas. She herself probably, like she didn't consider herself a communist or a Marxist, but her ideas were very sympathetic towards those. And there's been a lot of, like in the, after the 1990s and like more contemporary scholarship, a lot of comparisons of her ideas to those uh, of Marx and Engels. And you can really see a lot of that in this book. Um, so she, this, this novel, Mary Barton, is very, very, very much in conversation with those ideas of political economy, um, early Marxism, early socialism, early communism, the Chartist movement, which I'll talk a little bit more about when we're talking about John, um, John Barton. But even though she herself wasn't, that wasn't her expertise, like she did not, con- in the preface to this even, she's like, I don't really think of myself as a political and economist. I don't really know all of those ideas, which is a typical like lady author in the 19th century move to say that like I'm not an expert in this. But like if you look at what she's saying, it's very much aligned with those ideals, which made people of her own class mad, but makes us love her. Can I tell you what I love about class in this novel? Yes. Tell us more. You're not going to want to talk about it, so it's just going to be me for a minute. Okay, do it. Unions? (gasps) Yes. I love unions as a concept. I think they're fucking great. More of them. We're recording in the United States, so there's a clue (laughs) to who we are. Uh, we're recording in the United States and United States. If you States, hadn't picked um, up on that yet. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> the unions gave us the 40-hour work week, which is also bullshit. It should be like 30 or 32 hours. They also gave us paid time off, the very little we get. Um, the FMLA, which should be more robust. But any good things we do have were Child all given to laws. us by unions. Child labor laws. You can't get a job until you're 16, uh, specifically because of unions. And not wanting to have kids work in their jobs and also not send their kids to work jobs. Um, unions are the fucking best. And they're all in this novel. Um, the dad in this novel, John Barton, is in a union. And they spend, she spends so much time talking about these union delegates going to testify in front of the House of Commons in particular. And they just, like, don't listen and so all of these people show up and they want to talk about how their lives are shitty right now and they actually have some good ideas about how they might be able to fix that and could you please just protect us so our children don't starve in these hovels that you're forcing us to live in and they don't listen and honestly it's heartbreaking I had a really hard time with that section it's really hard it's really hard yes unions are the best it's disgusting that, like, these livable concessions that we've gotten 
are sub- like okay. So if you don't sleep with Karl Marsh Das Kapital under your pillow, um, you might not know that. Uh, <laughs> so everybody, but Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might not know that like capitalists will do anything and everything to get as much money as they can, and they literally don't care about other people, and they will exploit children, women. Everybody, just like I can't even, I can't even explain yeah, to you, like whatever yeah. will make them another it's buck, they will and do, and it's yeah, disgusting. It's products and labor. You need you need more products, and to get more products, you need more labor. And they really treat like even now, even today, not even today, especially fucking today. This idea that like the market is always right and like free capital and blah blah blah. Like literally, we're living like the United States is the most disgusting capitalist bullshit that you could imagine um and we get indoctrinated with it from an early age and led to believe that like somehow justice will somehow magically prevail in this system that is literally designed to get a very very small percentage of the population disgustingly wealthy at the expense of literally everybody yeah. else no the remedy to that situation is unions and organizing power um and i think that's become really apparent in in i'm gesturing broadly in in all the things like i think this like disparity in organizational power has become really apparent in the the groups of people that say we need to sacrifice lives essentially to go back to work in this time in July 2020 of a pandemic that we can't seem to get a hold of and the other group of people and the other people that are not willing to sacrifice lives to make products using labor and products and labor are not the end all be all in your personal worth or even the economic worth of a group of people. And I don't think that's what we should be measured by. Mm-mm. End rant. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even fucking done with this TED Talk. Uh, going forward, what what Gaskell does really, really well here is to show that, I mean, I think it's time for the receipts, right, y'all? Like, she talks about... Let's do it. Let's do it. The rich only get richer as the poor get poorer. Like, it, it is just, like, it, people have to suffer in order for the rich to live their lives. And she's so honest and open about it. And not just in this book, I just like really want to stress that in all of her books, she's very clear about the fact that like, it is not okay what is happening to the poor. Does she have the perfect solution? No. Does she expect like rich white ladies to suddenly teach everybody how to be virtuous? Yes. Do we have a problem with that? Yes. But do we still love Gaskell? Yes. Anyway. Let's talk about John Barton's response. I'm going to read a quote, and I like don't like to read these long quotes, but this one's really fucking good, y'all. So John Barton, um, when his friend asks him um, why he won't abide the gentle folk, he says, And what good have they ever done me that I should like them? asked Barton, the latent fire lighting up his eye, and bursting forth, he continued, If I am sick, do they come and nurse me? If my child lies dying as poor Tom lay with his white, wan lips quivering for want of better food than I could give him, does the rich man bring me wine or broth that might save his life? 
If I am out of work for weeks in the bad times and winter comes with black frost and keen east wind and there is no coal for the grate and no clothes for the bed and the thin ones are seen through the ragged clothes, does the rich man share his plenty with me as he ought to do if his religion wasn't a humbug? Evangelical Christians in the United States, cough, cough. When I lie on my deathbed and Mary, bless her, stands fretting as I know she will fret and hear his voice faltered a little. Will a rich lady come and take her own home if need be till she can look round and see what best to do? No, I tell you, it's the poor and the poor only as does such things for the poor. Don't think to come over me with the old tale that the rich know nothing of the trials of the poor. I say if they don't know, they ought to know. We're their slaves as long as we can work. We pile up their fortunes with the sweat of our brows, and yet we are to live as separate as if we were in two worlds, I as separate as Dives and Lazarus, with a great gulf between betwixt us. But I know who is best off then. And he wound up his speech with a low chuckle that had no mirth in it. I mean, if that shit isn't completely relevant in this day and age, when there are people who are making billions of, like, they make literally so much money that they cannot fucking spend it all. And then there are other people who are starving and can't have a roof over their heads and you have to fucking pay for healthcare in this country. And, like, if there is Jeff Bezos and people are still arguing about whether or not healthcare is a human right in this country in 20-fucking-20, I, I, like... I don't even know. I, I have no words. I have no words. Mm-hmm. Eat the rich is all I got to say. I Listen, I'm with you on that. Eat the rich all the fucking way. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so hungry. Um, Can I tell you a fun fact that I know? The I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because I'm yeah. not going to wait for you to tell me. It's okay. The, wow. Um, your, con- your ideas of consent are about the same as Harry Carson's. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's just fun facts, okay? Harry Carson's a stalking. Um, I, <laughs> the, in, the economic disparity in the United States before the pandemic, so at least in 2019, um, earlier than that, though, is greater now between the top and bottom classes of people than it was in the 15th century Italian revolution. So for 600 years, honestly, the United States is winning the game right now. Our income disparity is the worst of like basically all the revolutions. On that note, hashtag eat the rich. All I'm saying is it's fucking time for the revolution. I just say, like, y'all, I, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. It's And, like, what he says is so – in that quote that I read is so true. Like, these people were – were – are starving, are. have no way to get medicine, have no way to get food to feed their children, have – no way to pay for a decent roof over their heads to save themselves from the elements. And fucking rich people are complaining because they can't. It's like, did y'all go see the thing about Robert De Niro complaining that he would only make $7 million this year? His attorney said Robert De Niro would be lucky to make $7.5 million this year. Lucky. And my favorite part was all the people were like, 
I would. I too would be lucky. I would to too. Would seven be and a half. I swear I, I to for, God, I for one yes. would be lucky to make twenty five thousand dollars this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hashtag grad Okay, so a major thing about the class disparity here is that John Parton kills Henry Carson, the stupid white rich boy whom I hate. So, class war. Boom. We got it. Here's the thing. John Barton was right. All right. I think that he wasn't necessarily right, but, like, I completely get it. Like, I completely get why they just, they resorted to murder. Okay, so I was thinking about this, and, like, listen, I'm with you. I don't really think it was that bad. And if you really want to get into it, which, why wouldn't we? Um, that's what we're here for. All of we're people, into a lot of All things. of the people learning and becoming better, like, all the people who get to, like, learn and become better mm-hmm. only get to only do that because he killed the fucking rich dude's kid. I will say that. Two things. I absolutely sympathize with the union workers and them deciding, you know what, let's stop oppressing each other and let's start fighting the actual rich people. Like, I get it. I don't, I, uh, I don't judge them for their feelings and their actions because I think, like, when you're up against a wall like that, you do what you got to do. I think that as a political strategy, assassination doesn't really work out super well. Um, so I don't recommend yeah, it. No, I'm with you, but in this case, it did, though. Medium. It medium worked. It, it worked out in us on a personal level, but on a political level, maybe not so much. I just think that, like, I'm I'm just gonna say this now, so the FBI doesn't come after me just yet. Uh, I'm not advocating for assassination as a political strategy. I think that there are other ways of. I don't know, bitch. It's like. I'm depressed. Should we talk about guilt and innocence now? I low-key thought that we had moved on to character analysis, and we're starting with John Barton. Um, we were not, and we did not, but okay. We're, we're going to get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to get there, but specifically, I don't want to talk necessarily about rich and poor people. I want to talk about women's. I want to talk about women's oh, guilt. I have so many things to talk about here. I know. I want to talk about I want to talk about purity. I want to talk about guilt. I want to talk about innocence. I want to talk about Esther and I want to talk about Mary. Please. Oh, Which one I, are we starting with? Which one are we starting with? Whatever Ellis would like. Oh my god, I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay, okay. okay. How about Esther? Okay, how about first? this? Oh, well, see. Hmm. Okay, fine. <clears throat> <laughs> Just gotta clear her throat. getting ready. Okay, so Gil and here's what I have to say about that. One is, I do not like that Jem basically proposes to Mary, and then when she says no, he's like, well, then don't blame me when I go off and become a murderer or whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, bitch, do not fucking, like, threaten this bitch who does not want to marry you, which, okay, yeah, whatever, later she does want to marry him, but, like, that's beside the point. Anyway... Don't fucking put your shit on her. It's like women are not responsible for keeping men honorable. And like, so there's this like whole idea that it's like this sort of Adam and Eve complex where it's like Eve corrupts Adam or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like that's basically what's happening with this is like Mary's the corrupter. It's not true. 
Uh, she is not responsible for Jem's actions. If Jem's Women are in, always responsible for men's actions. Yeah, men can fuck <laughs> all the way off, and we would be just fine without Absolutely them. fine. Absolutely God. I do not like that Jem puts all of that on Mary. I also don't like that Esther is sort of like unredeemable mm-hmm. because she falls in love with this man and they have a kid together uh, which we find out later and then he gets shipped out and he's like peace like he's done mm-hmm. with her and it's like she becomes this fallen woman because like that's what she's like she doesn't have other options and like no one ever talks like there's no talk in this book about or like at all there's like no focus about like how there mm-hmm. were there are no other options. Women get backed into these corners. Men are the ones who put them in this position. Mm-hmm. And then and then once it's happened, there's no way of coming back from it. Even if you find like, okay, I want to reform. I want to do something else. Like, like sex workers are not bad people. Absolutely sex not. Sex workers are not damned. Sex workers are, should not be ostracized. And like, it's like she, it's, like that whole message is some bullshit that she is no longer innocent, and so yes, agreed. Like, footnote, footnote. If you want to read some Victorian poetry about precisely this topic that we absolutely one hundred percent agree with, Augusta mm-hmm. Webster's "The Castaway" is super good. So good. So I good. also, I also it's like fire. I also would recommend, which is a little later, is Christina Rossetti's. Um, the Lizzie Goblin Market. Also, also great because, because lesbians. That what well, there's sisters, but also there's a lot of drinking. Lesbians. There's there's but like, like a lot of sisters. sisters. They're not sisters. Drinking juices. They're so they're written as sisters, but they definitely have a lot of lesbian imagery. So like it is what it is. But the they're main sisters thing, like I, we're sisters. The main bitch. thing that I take away from this is that in Goblin Market another woman saves a woman yes. and that is the main thing okay. is like the only way it's ever gonna work is if we save each other because the men's do not fucking care about they don't us. fucking care i 100 percent agree i will say real quick that you know how we often say um when you're reading a book and there's like a straight romance and you wanted to be a queer romance and we were like just ignore that shit until you get the queer romance that you need um that was uh, Sweet Baby Bobby. Sweet Baby Bobby. Um, Sweet Baby so Bobby. Like everything. We pretty much do that. But, yeah. Like, we're always sweet. like, where's the queers? Where's the queers? <laughs> Hashtag make it gay. Um, <laughs> so I will say that Elizabeth Gaskell is great about class stuff. But yes really leans into traditional gender roles and norms. Hard, hard. Very hard. It's very, like, typical Victorian gender roles. I get, except for this one, she published under a pseudonym. She, uh, anonymously. She published it anonymously. I thought she published it under, what's his, what's that name? God damn it. It was, like, a popular name, too. Maybe it was uh, anonymously. As a dude, as a dude. And then... It came out. It was her, which I, I get think that forward. because I actually think that she she bought into those ideas about gender norms. Like I'm sure, I, I think she did too. I do too. And and that is a thing that I do not want to excuse. Like I don't agree with her. I don't excuse it. It's one of those things where we like need to be honest about the shortcomings of our favorite authors. 
But it is also one of those things that I choose to ignore so that I get the Marxist romance that I need. <laughs> Fair. Um, so, like... I support, you. I support you. There, There are a lot of traditional and oppressive gender norms in Gaskell's literature, but you can push it aside and just take the good and leave the bad. Or use it as a way into the conversation if you're teaching it with your students, like you can, you can have that conversation and like point to the ways that like even people who wanted to be really progressive were sort of blinded by like one. My favorite thing, my, sorry, sorry, Bryn. I know we're like just talking, talking, talking about this story, but my favorite thing, counter readings, counter reading despite the traditional gender norms in this novel, of which there are a lot, who saves who? Oh, yeah. Mary absolutely saves everybody. Absolutely. So. Mary is the most yeah. active, proactive, like, that part. Mary Barton she, saves a part she fucking that, everybody. She does that again in North and South. In the part, there's a part in the book, in, in this book, in Mary Barton, where she, uh, where um, an older family friend of hers, Job Lee, is saying that he's going to go find the person who um, is going to provide Jem Wilson, her lover's alibi. Uh, and Mary, like, straight up is like, no, I'm going to do it because I, like, I I will be better at it. Like, I'll, I care more about Jem, and so I will not, I will and follow up any lead. Like, I would, yeah. yeah, like, I will follow mm -hmm. up any lead. I will do anything that it takes to save him. And she, and there's a part where they're like, it's actually really subversive if you want to do a counter reading because Gaskell's writing about how they're having this argument and then uh, Mary feels bad about arguing with this, like, older man. And so she's, like, penitent. But then Gaskell says that, like, Job Lee gives in to what Mary wants, which is great, but, like, Mary wasn't going to not give in. Like, she was going to get her way no matter what, which I think is, like, a super interesting – it is very gendered in ways that I don't love, but you can read against the grain and to – and you can read it in her other I novels, too. Time, I think for the yeah. time, it was very progressive. Like – and you get the same in North and South and Wives and Daughters in Cranford Absolutely. about, um, like, a different uh, – an alternative form of feminine, feminine. Resistance, yeah. resistance that I'm, like, on board with. I just hate the Esther part. Yeah. And I – like, I I mean, nothing comes of it as much because, like, whatever, Jen doesn't become a murderer. But, like, this whole, like, don't blame me. Don't blame me if I – all right, team. If we've learned anything in the last, I don't know, 13 episodes, it's that <laughs> women are always right and innocent and men are always wrong and guilty. Um, so and eat the rich. And eat the rich. We stole that from Gen Z. We are appropriating it. Gen Z is so much better than us. They really are. We're just going to try and take their scraps from their tables. Uh, segment three, ride or dies. This is the segment where we talk about characters. Let's talk real quick about Mary Barton. 
the main character of this novel, also titled Mary Barton. <laughs> Funny how that works. All right. Brynn, tell us about Mary Barton. Tell us what you think of her. She's, she's Becky with the blonde hair. Ooh, she is Becky with the blonde hair. Do you Except like her? Do you not, not like her? No. She's not upper class. She and I appreciate that about her. Record. Is that she's not like um she's not like a Becky. She's like a Becky. She's she's so trying real hard. Martha analogy is though, like Becky with the blonde hair. Like it's Becky Sharp from yeah, Becky Sharp right. is a redhead, right? Mean. Which is published no, only Becky right Sharp around the same time. Uh-huh. Yes, and it's published right around the same time, right? Thackeray yeah. is saying the same thing: is that these yeah. blonde young women yes. have one view in mind, and they want yes. one thing, and that's to marry wealthy. And Becky Sharp Becky. does it. Um, Becky with the good air, and then she kills it, and then she kills off her first. But can we just say, and then like, marries the another day, richer one? It was like Vanity Fair, motherfuckers, and yes. then it into a thing, and I was like, that was fucking good. No, I um all for Beyonce, but Mary Barton is a Beck, a blonde Becky with the good hair, and she is not of the uppermost classes, but neither was Becky Sharp in Vanity Fair, and she huh. like. She has the opportunity to make it happen. And I like Mary oh. Barton more than I like Becky Sharp because Mary yes. Barton says, you know what? Like, fuck this Mary guy Barton. who's stalking me in the middle of the night. Like, Ugh. I don't I don't want that. Like, that's not sure. It's I guess it's flattering because then I could buy myself regular dresses and blankets. But <laughs> I'd <laughs> rather have something. <laughs> and food. But they literally had sold off she pawns her blankets you guys no candles listen listen my 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 mary barton bitch when she is considering like i do not blame her i know she's 16 and i know she is naive but i don't blame her at all for like dreaming about marrying rich because like She's dreaming about marrying Rich literally because she wants her dad to be able to eat dinner. Like, there is nothing out. It's the only way out. Unless you're Jim and you invent some shit that gets you a little bit of money. Okay, but but that was never. But yeah, that was going to say that was never an option for Mary. For Mary, the only thing that she could possibly do that she had control over was finding a finding a way out with a rich man and she knew she didn't love him and she said I don't care because I have to do what I have to do and she dreamed of a better life and she knew that she was worth more than that but the thing is that's like a universal feeling we're all worth more than that we're all worth more than being fucking starving and poor and selling off our fucking can we put that on a fucking t-shirt can we put we're all worth more than that on a t-shirt bitch because I wear that we are okay. and that's like the whole fucking point of this is like Jem Jem was lucky yes but also like him being a man made that possible like Mary was never gonna invent a new way of doing fucking I don't know engineering shit or whatever but like <laughs> I don't know I'm a fucking English major but anyway like that was never going to be a thing for Mary. Mary's way out was using her fucking beauty because that's what women were told. It's like, all you're worth is how pretty you are and how virtuous you are. And so she thought, I'll fucking capitalize on that because capitalism is apparently the name of the goddamn game. So I'll figure it out. And she did. 
I don't know what it was anymore, but now I'm wondering if Mary Barton, Barton, Mary Barton, Mary Barton is more Amelia or Becky. Yeah, she's. I think she's her own thing. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to compare Elizabeth Gask. I don't want to say like that. Elizabeth Thackeray's were extremes of, of other people's characters because Thackeray had nothing truly original. Don't tell anybody I said that. There are lots of things I love about Mary Barton. Um, one of them is that she is like the sixteen-year-old girl, and like I absolutely empathize with all of her feelings when she's like having her flirtation with Harry. And she's wanting to marry Rich. Like, I get it. Like, you're 16. You want a better life. Like, who would not at 16? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Like, every single one of us knows perfectly well that we would have done the exact same fucking thing. And then the triumph of this novel is that she's, like, she realizes at, like, 17 years old, like, fuck that. Like, I want the real deal. And I'll, I'd rather starve with Jim than deal with Harry's bullshit. And then, oh, my God. Like, the, the parts of this, there's so many. I've read this a couple of times now. And only, like, twice. Like, literally a couple. <laughs> and the first time I was really focused on. times to read everything else. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first time I was really focused on the class stuff, which I definitely felt a lot this time. But this time. When she describes how terrified her bodily fear when she she imagine after she tells Harry that she doesn't want anything to do with him and he stalks her and the descriptions of how just like genuinely terrified she is of him because she, he could be on any street like she's a 17 year old girl terrified of this man who is sexually harassing her and the heartbreaking thing about this reading for me was haven't we all been the yeah, 17 year old girl who's he terrified like waits around the corner he doesn't even like wait on the same block i mean and he doesn't wait like down the road i've never yeah. like i remember being in junior high i remember being in junior high and on a less serious scale i remember having to run between classes because i was scared of i knew this kid like through my friends I knew that he was gonna try to get me to like go out with him or whatever like be his girlfriend and this is junior high when it doesn't even matter like when it's like being someone's girlfriend it's like you uh, you AOL instant messenger each other or something right and I like I didn't want to though but I also was conditioned to believe if you say no there's something wrong with you and so and like you can't hurt someone's feelings because you have to be nice because you're a girl but you also, like, you just don't want to be put in that position. And so I would, like, run between classes because he knew my schedule. And I would, like, have my friends, like, walk around me so, like, I could get around. And, like, this is someone I ended up, like, becoming friends with Mm -hmm. later. And, like, it's not even a thing. But, like, that's how we're conditioned to be. So, like, imagine at this time where it's, like, you are to blame in some way. Like, it feels like you are to blame for your own situation. And it's, like, she's... That's the thing, like, I think that's the thing I don't like is that it feels like because she flirted with him, because she was flirting with the the temptation of not being fucking starving, somehow it's her fault that she's getting sexually harassed. And, like, that's what I don't like is, like, Mm -hmm. it's not a woman's fault. I see that 100%. 
And I agree with it. I think that there's enough there that if you don't want to read it that way, you you can think read it subversively. Like as uh, specifically the parts where it talks very explicitly about Harry Carson knowing that he could force her and planning on forcing her. Because, like, after she turns him down, after Mary Barton turns him down, right. it talks about how he, like, followed her everywhere and stalked her and everything. And, like, he initially offered marriage, but after she turned him down, she was like... Right. He was like, I'll just rape her. Um, and the fact that it's so... That um, Elizabeth Gaskell is so explicit about that, I don't... I, I like, I think that I agree with you... Uh, in that, like, actually there's a lot of that, like, traditional gender norms. It almost feels like there's something at war there. There's, like, the the societal expectations of Victorian culture of, like, Harry, um, of Mary is partially to blame for flirting. And then there's the other part where there's, like, this undercurrent of, like, no one is to blame. Like, no woman is well, I think that's part of the, I think that's part that. of like the being the fallen woman, right? Is that who does the the falling? And at least in Mary Barton's case, Mary blames herself. She thinks of herself as a, a sort of at least for temporarily a fallen woman, even though she has a narrative foil in Esther, who is, I suppose, the narrative definition of a fallen woman. The the downside of this term mm-hmm. of a fallen woman is that it implies that the woman does the falling. That I mean, I don't know how she falls. Like maybe she trips and falls mm-hmm. onto a penis, but like she falls somehow, and it's her fucking fault. And it's not her fucking fault. It's Harry Carson waiting around the corner and scaring the shit out of her in the middle of the night. It's Sally Ledbetter showing up with a note that's unwelcome and. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, in the case of, like, Amelia, it's, it's fucking, what's his name, Dobson showing up day after day when she doesn't want him there. Like, the, it's these men showing up repeatedly, and they, no one wants him there, and somehow it still beings up. Yes, and it's her fault somehow. Every time, it's her fault. It's always the woman's fault, and she's the one that falls. So not only is it her, um, it's her fault it's her impetus, but also it's her consequences. She's the one that ends up falling and she falls through class and she falls through social standing. She falls through economic power. Um, she even falls through career opportunities. Like it's always her fucking fault, even though she didn't do a fucking thing mm-hmm. wrong. And Mary Barton is walking home from work and she doesn't want to fucking talk to Hen- Henry, Harry, Harry Carson. And yet, there he is popping out around corners practically with his dick out, except it's like a note with the wax seal. So like, what does that say about him? But he just pops out from behind corners with these notes and these professions of scare quotes, love. And she's the one at risk of being the fallen woman. And he fucking knows it's not even love. He knows he just wants a bone. He half heartedly offers to marry her. I mean, I want to clarify very quickly that I don't think, When I say that, like, it is possible to do a counter reading, I don't necessarily want to give Elizabeth Gaskell the credit because I don't, I kind of want to take Elizabeth Gaskell out of it. Like, this book belongs to me now. (laughs) Like, you wrote it. I'm I'm glad you wrote it. I like it. Sure. But, like, now it's my book, bitch. 
Um, and as much as there is all of this extremely oppressive Victorian and honestly fucking current gender roles, I think that there is a, a smidge where you can have like enough textual evidence to read counter. And of course I like immediately latch onto that where there are part where the, there's just enough where you're like, Oh, I can see an alternative to this within the text, not just within my own imagination, but within the text. All right, I'm done. I wish she, I wish she had written it. Me too. But it was 1848. So she she wrote what she did. And also, like... Yeah, like, there's more to be done. Right. Just really quick to wrap up, Mary. Um, The thing I like best about her is that she is not perfect. Um, I think that especially in the, like, mid-1900s realist novel, having a... female protagonist who isn't I know um having a female protagonist who has like real flaws such as vanity and all that stuff that Mary has um I I think that that's actually extremely refreshing moving on from how much we love Mary let's talk about I like Mary I feel bad for like sitting on Mary but I I do like I do like Mary I I just like there are things that I really don't like about her, and I'm not sure, sure we would be friends. But I, I, I love <laughs> reading about a character who just isn't perfect, especially at this yeah. time period. Yeah, that's it's really nice, and it's really nice for the the young woman with a, a dead mother because Victorian novels are strewn about with dead mothers. Gotta have it's a dead really mother. Nice. Victorian it's really novels nice and for Disney the young movies. Woman. Yeah, it's really nice for the young woman to be. I don't know, like not the perfect angel in the house so nice. with a dead mother. Instead, she's like a, a flawed human who tries her best and happens to have a dead mother. Yes. And in the end, when she just like kicks it into high gear and saves everybody's ass. God, I love that. I mean, she nearly kills herself with a like an anxiety fueled fit, but I'm into it. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the reason why I like her, okay? (laughs) Yes, I mean, like, when she, like, loses her shit at the end because it's just been too stressful, and I'm like, girl, same. (laughs) If anxiety could, like, make that happen for me, I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) I would also like a few months off of reality. (laughs) I don't know who the Sturgises are, but please take me. Uh... Enough about Mary. Never enough about Mary. Let's talk about John Barton for a second because John Barton is angry and John Barton is violent and John Barton kills a bitch and I am here for it. But there are things that I am not here for. Which things are you not here for? The part where he hits Mary. Sure. I I have mixed feelings about John that are perhaps more mixed than most Tell us more. Victorians. I I love how excited he is about unions. I, too, am really pumped about unions. I have two family members who are in plaintiff's employment law. Like, if there is a white lady more in favor of unions, please introduce us because I want to be friends. Like, I am the lady who's excited about unions. 
John Barton goes to the unions a lot and he represents the unions once, but he, he goes to London once. And then the other time he's mysteriously absent. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I'm into the union shit. I, I don't, I'm not convinced that murder is the answer. Um, I also think that maybe he should have accepted help when it was offered to him. The oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that offered yeah, him yeah, yeah. financial assistance, and he turned it down, and Mary was the one that had to go without dinner. Yeah, and, I agree. And then there's that moment where he says to her, like, I mean, when have we ever had to go without dinner? And it's so insensitive because Mary has had to go without dinner and he's just not noticed that she's been taking money from a friend who offered it in a friendly manner and he can't bring himself to accept the money that, that other friends offered him. And they're on the verge of starvation. They've sold all their blankets. They've sold practically all their candles. They're down to like, I don't know, the occasional salt pork and sometimes some corn, like they're down to the, their, their bottom of the barrel and he won't take help. And that's what unions are for. Like that's what this organization of mm -hmm. factory workers is supposed to be for. And John Barton is supposed to be for that. And I get really frustrated with a character that that's supposed to be somewhat representative of this unionizing collective movement of factory workers and he doesn't fucking take it when the when the work benefits him like I get so mad I get also mad and there's that part where he's like there are other people that deserve it more and it's just like I think that I hadn't actually thought about this until now um because before while I was reading I was like oh he's so selfless blah 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 because he's like thinking about the other dude who has like six children whatever but at the same time like my dude your girl doesn't have food like like it's great and everything that you read about the other other guy but you have to worry about mary too it's like i'm all for the mm -hmm. family that has six kids i mean i would take six kids if the heavens above offered them but i at the same time i would absolutely if you're not one child <laughs> I would, if your one child is saying or perhaps not saying perhaps doing that she is hungry and skipping her midday meal at her job that you have asked her to work then i think you should take the few pennies offered to you i don't know like i also feel a type of way about everything with like John was fucked up. So, like, how much was he really paying attention to how much Mary was suffering? Which doesn't make him... That doesn't that doesn't make him um, innocent completely. But also, like, at some point, like, you know how you, like, kind of trick yourself into seeing what you want to see because that's what you need to believe to get by? Like, how much of him saying, like, well, at least... Like, well, we've never had to go without him. Like, how much of that was him trying to convince himself? Like, well, at least we're better off than this because that's what he needed to believe to, like, not fucking off himself. I don't know. I'm so fucking mad. I'm just, I'm just angry with John Barton because he wasn't paying attention. Like, he wasn't, 
seeing his 17-year-old daughter skipping a bunch of fucking meals because he couldn't be bothered to see it. Like, he he could have taken money from the union. He could have taken another job. Yeah, he but, like, have... that's also, like, common for that time. And, like, a, like the, the man of the family, not saying that's right, like, probably wouldn't have noticed that. He would if it's just the two of them. I think he would have noticed. I don't think he was a very good dad, and I think I am also angry with him uh, um, for being a shitty dad to Mary. There's a part where he beats her, and it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he does absolutely not. He apologizes for it and says he's never going to do it again. Doesn't doesn't make it okay. He's a complicated character. It is it is not. I can't. I personally can't say he is good or bad. He is an opium addict. He neglects his daughter. He has a extremely recognizable masculine form of pride that doesn't allow him to get help when he needs it. Um, but his opium addiction, opium addiction, is because opium was it, cheaper than food. Yes. So it's like yes, even. I was like, getting yes, to he's that. Super flawed, and I agree with you. I but was like... getting to that. I was getting to the part. <laughs> I was getting to the part where he has all of these things that I don't like, but it. I think that Gaskell does a really good job of showing how him within a context, within a context of he couldn't see another way out. That's not the same thing as mm-hmm. saying that there wasn't a different way of being. It's just that he was living in a society where he couldn't see a different way of being. I think that I can both condemn him for his neglect and mistreatment of Mary and feel extreme sympathy for him. Because that's what really what I feel like in that moment where he is a bad... When he's a bad father, he's a fucking bad father. But he's also good man in a shitty situation. That's like the real tragedy of human life, Right. I think that's what Gaskell does such a good job of by showing how good he is at the beginning of the novel because you see the fall from who he is and who he would be to what he becomes because of his situation. And it's like, yes, like there were other ways out, right? But he couldn't see them and he couldn't find them. And like, it's just, it's like this, yeah, he, like, devolves. Like, he devolves. And I know it's, like, Victorian as shit, but that moment at the end when the uh, when he and Mr. Carson, like, hug it out, yep. literally, and he yep. dies, and Carson, it is so yeah. fucking beautiful. Like, I know it's sentimental. Yeah. And it's so but it's beautiful. But it's not even it's sentimental on, like, his part, because, like, you're into it for him, but, like... It's it's a I'm good angry moment. That, I'm angry that Carson gets it. Like, yeah, I yeah, I get like, it. Like, I just want Carson to suffer. Like, because I just really fucking hate them. I don't focus <laughs> on any of the rich people at the end. I absolutely. <laughs> I that ignore is them until you get the Marxist ending you want. Absolutely. <laughs> at the I love there's. I love the fact that John Barton doesn't get hanged. I love that. I love that he dies. In peace, and like an emotional, an emotional peace with his family around him. He like, it's not like the radical, perfect, like ah, everybody burn the rich to the ground, uh, ending that I want. But in eighteen forty-eight, 
Yes, like he just gets to die happy. I keep thinking about John Barton and um, Jean Valjean, right? Right. And Jean Valjean is this generic name, just like John Barton, and it was published just a few years before Mary Barton. And I, Les Mis was published just before a few years before Mary Barton. And I, I just like Jean Valjean is this morally pure character who gets accused of stealing bread. I mean, he did steal fair bread to feed his family. Yes, he did. Um, And then he gets five years in prison for stealing bread to feed his family. And then he gets an additional several years because he tried to escape for the five years for stealing a fucking loaf of bread. And John Barton doesn't have any of that moral purity. He just doesn't have it. And that... The moment that I that I keep coming back to is that moment where Mary Barton says, please have some dinner before you get on the train to Glasgow, because when he's when he's hungry, he's more angry. And when he's angry, he's more likely she doesn't she doesn't say it outright. But when he's when he's hungry and then he's angry, he's more likely to beat the shit out of me is the thing that's implied. And I just but to be afraid of someone in their hangry moments, and we all have our hangry moments, that's totally fine, but to be afraid of them, sure, I'm I'm hangry all the fucking time, but to be afraid of someone hitting you or being being so angry that you that you fear them when they're hangry, I just like John Barton does not have the moral redemption that Jean Valjean I has. agree with you. He doesn't I agree have with you. it. And I I cannot like on the one hand I really love Jean Valjean but on the yeah. other hand I I cannot get behind I can't get behind John Barton as a character I just like I really love the union stuff like I'm here for it but I just like he's such like a shitty person over and over and over like he's ignoring his daughter starving and he hits her and then he gets so mad when he's hungry that she's afraid of him and then he, like, doesn't come forward for Jim Wilson when Jim is going to take the fall for a murder that he did. And then and then on his deathbed, he gets to confess it and be, like, redeemed in this moment of death. Like, no, absolutely not. I am not here for John Barton. John Barton is kind of a shitty dude. Uh... I think he's a better literary character because I think Jean Valjean's kind of full of shit. Um, And I think people are more likely to be Jean Barton's than they are to be Jean Valjean's. Which now if you say those both really quickly, you realize how similar those names Mm -hmm. are. Uh, But I think... realistic. Yeah, I... It's not that I think that he's a good person, even though I sympathize with a lot of his feelings... I don't sympathize with a lot of his actions, but I do think that as a character, he's more true to life. Like, I get him. I, I don't agree with him, but I get him in ways that I could not. Like, Jean Valjean's not real. He's just not. But, like, I, I honestly, in this moment, I don't care if John Barton is is realistic because he's so shitty. Like, I, I don't. I will concede, I will concede, I will concede that John Barton is a well-written character, that he's a well-formulated character. I, I am still angry that he exists. All right, guys. Is it time? I think it's time. 
Fuck it. I'm I'm in charge tonight. It's time. It's time for bonus points, bitches. <laughs> tonight, bonus mm-hmm. points. Tonight. <laughs> tonight <laughs> on PH Drunk. Bonus points. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a Marxist menu where we're going to get create a, an order of characters that we should eat in the revolution. I'm going to start us off with number one, Mr. Henry, a.k.a. Harry Carson, who should be eaten and then thrown up because he will make you sick. Um, yeah. Followed closely by Sophie Carson. No, Amy. I No, oh, Sally Ledbetter. The dad. Sally the Ledbetter. Dad. Sally no. Ledbetter. I think the dad. I think I think the dad and then Sally and then all of the sisters. I think Amy's the worst of the sisters, personally. Because so... Which one's the one... There's one of them who's She's like, the one that came in and was like, you didn't buy me flowers. <laughs> you didn't buy me flowers. Daddy, daddy, I oh, would like this off. thing. And won't you give me everything I want? I fucking hate I want it now. <laughs> okay. So we okay, got- also, though, I was definitely the Veruca Salt of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory people, so, <laughs> but still, fuck Amy, let's kill her. Eat I her. want it now. I was Grandpa George. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate as fuck. Um, okay, so we got Harry Carson, Dad Carson? Yes. Who's all yeah. like vengeance no, to the poor? Like, I keep wanting to say John, but that's not his name. That's I don't remember name. what his name is. Irrelevant. Mr. Carson. Just all the Carsons. Let's just eat all the Carsons first. No, no. I was going to say, I was, me personally, this is my, this is my personal. It's Harry, Mr. Carson, Sally, Amy Carson, all the following Carsons in, in a determined <laughs> order. <laughs> The, the soldier dude who who knocked up Aunt Esther. Yep. Oh, that one, the London delegate of the Union, he was an asshole. I don't like yep. him either. Out, yeah. All no, the London, all the him. fucking London people. Get rid of him. Gone. Get rid of him. Fuck all, London. We eat all of London. We eat all, all of London. Of London. <laughs> <laughs> all and of then, it. And then the lawyers, and after that I have really bad indigestion and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I on board. Can I come in for the scraps? And what I'm gonna say, <laughs> what I'm gonna say is, the only people who get to live in this. Well, okay, I don't even want to say Sally though because I think Sally shouldn't get to be eaten because Sally is a product of her raising. And nah, nah, Sally is a bitch. No, Sally is a definite mm-hmm. bitch. But I think we could save Sally if we tried. No, because. I don't think. I think there's some bad apples in that bunch, and Sally is one of them. She is an enabler. She actually helps. She helps Harry Carson sexually harass and potentially rape. No, Sally could have been a Miss Simmons. She could have been a Mary Barton. She could have been a Jane Wilson, even like twenty years later. Like I Sally mean, I don't, could have been I don't anything. give it. I don't give a shit what she w- would have been. Like I, she could have been. She could have been non-existent for all I fucking care. She, <laughs> she was actively aiding and abetting a sexual assaulter. All right, all right, all right. Okay, who would you be? <laughs> who would I be? Yeah, in the whole book, who would all? Who would all of us be in the whole book? Okay. Oh well. Um. Well, obviously. Brand would be Margaret because she's like good and wise. 
and like because I'm the feeling step. Great. No, and Margaret and is righteous not. and righteous because <laughs> she Margaret was like, doesn't have a lot of you, feelings. Mary, for coming yes, at me with your bullshit and no, your Margaret doesn't have a Margaret is, Margaret is described as practical and good. She's just like she's just like a good practical person, and she has like she, I also kind of love that she's like. Oh, Gemma's definitely guilty. And then she, like, gets pissed off at Mary for being a hussy. Like, Margaret's just, like, no nonsense. I fucking love Margaret. I absolutely think Bryn would be Margaret. And also she's, like, extremely talented and uh, gets a career as a singer. So, yeah, for sure Bryn's Margaret. She would def be the one that gets a career in the arts. (laughs) In the arts, specifically. Specifically, there. Any kind of art. Any kind of art. I don't know. You fucking do all the art. So you would get something in the all art. I don't know what art, but one of the art. I don't care which art, but an art. You would get a career in an art. I was going to say that Ellis was John Barton, but I actually have a much better answer for who Ellis is. Who is Ellis? Fucking Carson, Harry Carson, I'm going to kill you. No, absolutely not. What do you think? I'm the devil? Um, I think you might think I'm the devil. No. <laughs> Ellis, you guys are going to think I'm fucking a genius because I fucking am. Ellis is Will Wilson. <gasps> it's so true. Well, mermaids are real, so. Obviously. It's the part, uh, two things. When he, like, drops everything and comes back to serve justice, absolutely an Ellis move. Into Second it, Second yeah. thing, when he gets super pissed at Joe Blee for not believing his friend. <laughs> about the mermaid also a super Alice thing to do. So you believe me, you believe my dog. Yeah. Like, I don't, what? <laughs> Absolutely Alice Will. Will Wilson. <laughs> Alice. Con- conveniently, it ain't wrong. Conveniently, ain't wrong. Will Wilson and uh, Margaret end up together. <laughs> hey girl, hey. I mean. <laughs> what up, you ginger goddess? <laughs> Back at you. We'll let you have all your five kids and then you and me, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Who is Chris? Who is Chris? Who is Chris? Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say Chris was M- Margaret because you're like secretly no. ambitious. Um, no. no. Secretly ambitious? I'm like openly uh, ambitious, bitch. Mm, okay. Uh, I can. Mm, theory. Okay. You theory. say you. You say yours. I'll say mine after. Jim, don't, don't hate, hate it. it. I actually kind of Jim Wilson, it. right? Okay, <laughs> you um invent something cool. You get some annuities off of it. You end up uh, you, you come like, up out of it when everybody's panicking about a job and you get fired because you were accused of some bullshit thing. You're like, whatever, fuck it. I got another job possibly lined up, and everybody's like, what, what, what job though? And then it comes through. And you get a job somewhere else, living somewhere you enjoy, with the people you like, with an annuity that benefits everybody. Yeah, I'm going to say that's true. I'm for it. The only thing, the only other thing I could see. Uh-huh. And you ain't going to like this one. So I'm going to say Jim is what I'm going with. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> but what's the one I wouldn't like, um, The other one is his mother, because... 
bitch, you, you would get about your house for calling out somebody you love. He ain't guilty, and it's your goddamn fault, motherfucker. Get out. <laughs> you would do it. You would do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You would not do it. Listen. Like, maybe I'll fucking forgive you tomorrow, but probably not, motherfucker. And <laughs> that would be you. Listen. And both of you are correct. mad at me because you know I'm right. I don't know. I don't know if I'm Jem or Jane, but I'm definitely a Wilson bitch. Some Wilson. One of the Wilsons. You are a Wilson. You are a Wilson. Wilson. Through and through. Oh, I love it. I, I love it so much. Make hard. a bitch cry on your front porch real easy. I, what do you mean? You haven't seen that already? So I said, let me come over. Just I'll feel some feelings. That's just a fucking Tuesday the for this. <laughs> She's like, happy Tuesday. Cry, cry, bitch. <laughs> Wish, bitch. <laughs> oh. Not oh my, my son. Not my son. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine. Imagine if some hussy got my son a Oh, no. I'm just, I just Jane Wilson all over crying. this fucking place. It'd be worse than crying on the porch. It'd be worse than crying on the porch. I'll tell you that. Oh, Lord. Oh. Man, that was a good Marxist menu. Should we move on to final grades? We uh, we have to at some point, honestly. All right, All right. let's do this. Okay, fine. Um, B plus. Ooh. Okay, why? I like it. Super fun. Little bit depressing in parts. A <laughs> little uh, bit. <laughs> we should have given a disclaimer super, at the beginning. Okay. This is not appropriate. Super depressing. Rating. Okay, super depressing in parts. Uh, definitely don't read it in 2020. Save it for 2021. Just like put put it off. But or still good. Build a, so or build a time machine and go back and there read it go. before this because yeah. it ain't never going to be right. All right, Ellis, you're up. Uh, I also say B+, but for different reasons. <clears throat> I think B+. Uh, I B, Listen, I like the depressing shit. It's fine. Uh the thing that that gets me a B plus is that even in trying to be progressive, it's still super sexist. So I I downgrade it for that, and that counts for a lot for me. So I'm giving it a B plus, but it's a super entertaining read. I love the class shit. I'm into it. It's like a B plus is like that's high praise. That's high that's praise. A, that's me. very good grades. Both of those grades are very good. Yeah, super high praise. Great I'm gonna grades. give it. I'm gonna give Chris. it an A. Because, although I agree with both of you, it is depressing, Bryn, and there is some uh, troubling Victorian sexism. Troubling times in the kingdom. I'm going to give it an A, just like a flat A, not an A plus, not an A minus, just flat A, because I am so here for the class shit. The critique of class disparity is spot on and so good and so fierce. I love it. Good job, Gaskell. But the other part is the writing of the ending specifically. The, the As soon as the, like, murder trial kicks in to the end, man, I read, like, even this time I read it, I reread it because I read it before. That's how, how rereading works. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> but I already knew how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's great 
I'm on board. Let's reread it again. <laughs> I rewrite it because I read it before. <laughs> um, let's do it. Let's reread it again. Shut up, bitches. Let's okay. Anyway, um, even though okay, so once the tr- once the once the murder happens, just like flat out, once the murder happens, the pace of the book picks up super fast. Like crazy fast. It does. And yeah. um, I mean, the last third of the bur- book is so well written that I, even though I knew how it ended, was like in my feels she, like she read it and then she read. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, it was like even though I knew how it ended, I was gripping. The last bit is really, really, really well written, and that gives me um enough of a reason to give it an A. So I feel like we settle at an A minus? Like a 90? Between two B pluses and an A? It's good. Listen, it's good. It's good. Read it. I absolutely recommend it. This was not my pick, but I still think everyone should read it. Hands down. Uh, Many thanks to you all for listening and drinking with us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PH Drunk Podcast. You can also go over to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash PH Drunk Podcast. Same, it's the same username there, same handle. And buy us a drink so we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair. If you do that, we will cheers you in the episode. So if you wish to have yourself promoted for any reason, then buy us a drink and we will cheers you out loud in the episode. Or if you're a tidy monster in the style of Chris, you can support us right through anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is the podcast system distribution system that we use. It's a foolproof platform that is a tongue twister, a foolproof platform that we use to make this podcast a thing, even though we're technologically challenged. Um, slightly less so now that we have microphones that sound nice join us next time for our first book in our modern yeah we hope in our modern month that is a trademark term the modern month um time is a flexible concept it's not exactly a month since we're fortnightly it's more like six weeks or like six ish weeks or like Basically, it's like the amount of time that you would spend at someone's country home if you were visiting and say, I don't know, like 1719. <laughs> that's just roughly or 1819. Honestly, like that. Or even possibly 1919, really. Anything but 2019. There you go. Okay. Um, so the next episode, we are discussing the book called Affinity by Sarah Waters. We've heard it has tons of sapphic, which is literary code for lesbian tension um we're really excited about it please join us in approximately a fortnight whenever we can emotionally mentally physically get around to it um so that's it for us gentle people books down bottoms, bottoms up, up!